Stephen Covey said, We are free to choose our actions, but we are not free to choose the consequences of these actions. The terrible truth is, our decisions not only impact our own lives, but those we love the most. Even if God has forgiven you for those decisions, forgiven does not mean fixed. So, before you make another choice, you will want to listen in to Kent, Vicki, and Nathan as they discover this truth in the life of Jacob. Welcome to Crosstalk, a Christian podcast whose goal is for us to encourage each other to not only increase our knowledge of the Bible, but to take the next step beyond information into transformation. Our goal is to bring the Bible to life into all of our lives. I'm Brian French. Today, Dr. Kent Edwards, Vicki Hitzkiss, and Nathan Norman continue their discussion through the book of Genesis. If you have a Bible handy, turn to Genesis chapters 33 and 34 as we join their discussion. Vicki, Nathan, have you ever noticed how the events in our life don't end when they're finished? What do you mean? Well, think of college. Graduated from college. Was that over? When you crossed the stage and took the diploma, was college finished in your life, or did it linger? Yeah, it's still lingering. I have uh, I have student loans I'll be paying back to remind me every month how uh, great an education I had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's not all. It shows up in many ways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it continues to linger, even when it's over. Or think of covid Many of us have had COVID. Fortunately, while we may have had COVID, um, it, we eventually got a negative test. But were the symptoms all gone when you got that negative test? It was over, but was it finished? Yeah, for some people, they don't. Uh, I know I have a friend who is uh, going through it right now and currently has a negative test, but they're not letting her back to, to work because she's got a cough and extreme fatigue. And they said, yeah, you, you can't come back until until those are gone. And I understand they may or may not ever be gone for some right, people. Right, right. Yeah. That's right. Loss of taste, to smell. The, um, the the lung damage for many people is permanent. Yeah. It's over, but it's not finished. Yeah, you think about from a positive perspective, maybe a little positive and negative, you know, it's like so many TV shows, at least in the like 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, you know, the, the series ended with a wedding. As if that is the, the end of everyone's life, right? Like they all lived happily ever after or, or, you know, Disney movies or whatever. It ends in the marriage. And I remember, oh, what was it? Lois and Clark, <laughs> The New Adventures of Superman. They got married and then they canceled the show because they said there's no more story to tell. <laughs> Which is incredible because it's like, are you kidding? Have you never been married? Do you not understand the high level of drama that comes and life just begins for many people at marriage? Yeah, it's, the, the, the life is not over at, at the wedding. And, uh, and, you know, negatively speaking, I, I know for myself, uh, at a, as a one-time foster parent, even though things worked out well for me, I think I still have some serious trauma from that whole process. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and it's, I mean, we're, I don't know, six, seven years out of it. And, uh, you know, it's over, it's done. I've got court records in order, but there's still, there's still stuff mentally I deal with and there's still stuff socially that we have to work through. Yeah. Commenting on your comment about marriage, uh, I was with our extended family. We were at a fair recently, and they had a booth set up that uh, you should sign up for wedding days, they, the whole big event at this venue. And they said, this is the best for the best day of your life. 
And I thought, if that's the best day of your life, you got a really bad marriage. I mean, with all due respect, the, the my wedding day was you know great, but I was glad when it was over. It was, um, and what happened out of that was much better. Right. So it's the event is is over, but it's, it hasn't ended. Right. What many people don't realize is that's uh, that's true spiritually as well. We can be forgiven, and that's true. But that doesn't mean the ramifications of our past behavior have ended. We can be forgiven, but not necessarily fixed. And that can be a little bit confusing. After all, Paul said in Romans chapter 3, that righteousness is given through faith in all who believe. That we are justified by faith. Uh, Nathan, what does that mean? What does what does it mean when Paul says we are justified? Well, it's the old Sunday school joke, just as if I had never sinned. But <laughs> but it works. It, it's a good definition for us to remember. Uh, we have been called just. We've been called righteous. When God looks at us, He no longer sees our sinfulness. He sees the righteousness of Christ laid upon us. Right. So. Our past sins, because of Christ's work on the cross, uh, God does not hold that right. against us. No more condemnation from him. That's right. And some would say that that means no consequences either. And they might even use some Bible verses to suggest that. Vicki, can you think of a few? Yes, I can, but I would argue it's bad theology. Um, I've heard people <laughs> quote uh, Romans 8.1, for example. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that's true. There's no condemnation. Mm -hmm. um, right. Psalms 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's one in Isaiah 118. Though your sins are like scarlet. I love this verse. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. I had a friend who got an apartment once and it was all cleaned up, but there was blood in the bathroom. And so when I see this verse, I, I remember, remember this verse. Your <laughs> sins are like scarlet. I know. Isn't that a, a vivid picture? They'll be white as snow. I had to get the cleaning crew in there to mop it up. And Isaiah 43, 25, blot out your transgressions and remember your sins no more. Well, and those true. are wonderful verses. Yeah, and God does remember our sin no more. They're gone. But it doesn't mean nothing happens after that. Right. And when, for example, that uh, last verse in Isaiah 43, when it says that God remembers your sins no more, I mean, that's not true literally, right? I mean, <laughs> well, then he's not omniscient anymore. Right, right. It's not all knowing. It's like, <laughs> and, and can you find any evidence in the Bible that God remembers the sins of forgiven people? Well, He's constantly reminding Israel of all their transgressions and uh, um, what He saved them from, and how they uh, don't be like your forefathers who uh, hardened their hearts. And in essence, isn't that what the Bible is—a record of sinners? Oh, yeah, that's true, too. That's a good point. <laughs> so, the whole Bible is a record of sin. Um, so, it's not like God had a lobotomy uh, and he just has no memory of it. What it does mean is that he doesn't hold our sins against us judicially. You know the way I think of it? I think of it as there's no anger. There's no, there's no emotional connection to it. It's like when I was a little girl and my mother 
walked in and she saw me with her favorite silk high heels scooping water out of the toilet bowl. And she's screaming, Vicky, Vicky. And, and now it's a funny story. She's forgiven me, but she has not forgotten that. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so forgiven, even in our relationship with God, yes, we are fully forgiven, just as your mother did that. I forgave you, Vicky. But, but it doesn't mean it's fixed in the sense that there's no more consequences. It doesn't mean that. We see this in the life of Jacob. We've seen in past podcasts that Jacob lived a life of deception. I mean, that was Jacob's default strategy for problems he got himself in. I mean, he's called deceiver. That's what his name means. But last week we saw Jacob realizing his lifetime strategy was leading to disaster. He came to God. He wrestled with God and would not let God go until he blessed him. And as a result, God changed his name. I believe that was a turnaround moment for Jacob. That was, a, in essence, a salvation event. That was the point in his life where he wanted God more than anything else. And while Jacob's reunion with Esau in chapter 33 went surprisingly well, a storm is on the horizon in chapter 34, where we see that Jacob's past mistakes may have been forgiven by God, but they're still remembered even by his children. Mm. Chapter 34 is a dark story. It talks about when Jacob purchased land outside the city of Shechem. And, uh, well, that first verse of chapter 34, that's, uh, that's a very depressing verse. Vicki, would you read that for us? Sure, it says, Now Dinah, the daughter Leah had born to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land. When Shechem, son of Hamer, the Hivite, the ruler of that area saw her, he took her and raped her. Surprisingly, however, verses three and four, surprisingly, however, verses three and four, his heart was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. And Shechem said to his father, Hamer, get me this girl as my wife. I mean, that is a surprise. After violently raping Dinah, then to say, you know, and apparently accurately, that he loved her and wanted to marry her. That catches me a bit off guard, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Typically, when that kind of act of violence happens, it is a, a person using another individual. Yeah. It has absolutely nothing to do with affection. No. And that's why I'm not surprised by what happens next. I mean, from her brothers. Vicki? It says, Jacob's sons came in from the fields as soon as they heard what happened, and they were shocked and furious because Shechem had done an outrageous thing in Israel by sleeping with Jacob's daughter, a thing that should not be done. But Shechem was serious about his marriage proposal, and he said to Dinah's fathers and brothers, let me find favor in your eyes, and I will give you whatever you ask. Make the price of the bride and the gift I am to bring as great as you like. I'll pay whatever you ask me. Only give me the young woman as my wife. So, in order to get Dinah as his wife, he offers, as was the custom, I'll pay a bride price. And I really want this woman, so I'll pay anything. Nathan, um, what did the brothers suggest? Uh, Shechem took them at their word and went back to their cities, and the leader said, These men are friendly towards us. They said, Let them live in our land and trade in it. 
The land has plenty of room for them. We can marry their daughters and they can marry ours. But the men will agree to live with us as one people only on the condition that our males be circumcised as they themselves are. So let us agree to their terms and they will settle among us. Circumcision. Mm -hmm. Of all the things I would think of of asking for a bride price, that would not come to mind. What? What is what does this deal with circumcision? Well, on the exterior of things, it seems pious. Uh, this is what God gave to Abraham. This is what sets them apart uh, physically mm -hmm. and spiritually from the other nations. And so theologically, it says, okay, but you need to become our people and you need to follow our God the way we follow our God. This um, is a rapist saying this. <laughs> I, this whole story makes me angry. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, and and uh, yeah, I, I I know it's coming coming, but um, yeah, I remember when I was reading this as a teenager, I thought this was a, a brilliant uh, act of subversion on Levi and Simeon, right? They because yeah. I mean, uh, let, let's face it, you cut off any part of your body, and you're going to be in pain for days. There, <laughs> much less. Right, much less a their genitalia, right? And now they're gonna right. not gonna be able to walk without being in excruciating pain for uh, several days. Well, and it turns out that's exactly what happened. Yep. I mean, in verse twenty-five, we read that three days later, while all of those men, the Hivites, were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city killing every male. And, and as if that wasn't enough, what happens next in verse 27 and following? The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city and out in the fields. They carried off all their wealth and all their women and children, taken as plunder everything in the houses. So <laughs> the two boys come, kill all the males in that city, and then their brothers come along and and use that opportunity to take advantage, destroy the whole area. Right. And commit greater sin than was done against Dinah, which was horrendous to start with. And they just multiplied it. Oh, I got this backwards. It wasn't the rapist that wanted the circumcising. It was... It was her brothers. Got it. Got it. So they said circumcised. They, they wanted vengeance. Got it. Okay. So then, then when the when the rapist people got circumcised, then then they went and killed them all. Right, they were they were inca incapacitated because of their circumcision. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Well, that was clever. Yeah, it was clever. <laughs> it was also evil. Um, diabolical, oh, I think, is the right term. Oh, it was diabolical. So explore yeah. that. Why was it so and, evil? Why was this? Why was their sin of retribution uh, so serious? Well, well, two things. First thing they did was they said, this is me talking, I didn't read this in the scripture, but they but they were they did it, we said, because they were saying, We're godly people, and our God says we need to be circumcised. So if you're coming into our family, you need to be godly like us and be circumcised. Right. So they said, Okay, we agreed to that. And and imagine, imagine, imagine <laughs> us saying to anybody who's not a Christian. We're Christians. We believe in circumcision. Okay. Uh -huh. 
or we're Jewish, you need to do, you know, whoever you are. And, and a man going, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard enough to get somebody to pray with you, much less. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. I'm just saying, you know, right. this, is a, this, this is a big, big deal. So they all agree to this. And then when they're all, you know, in terrible pain, they come in there and go, neener, 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 and slaughter them. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, slaughter them. We, we, we here in our country, we can't get the death penalty. They killed them all. Yeah. Yeah. I can. It's almost like if, if, you know, someone had broken into the church and we find out who it is and said, all right, you know, we're not going to press charges if you come and, you know, get baptized at the church with your family and everything. So their whole family comes and, while the guy's getting baptized, we like jump all their cars and steal them, you know, <laughs> like, like really, I, like why that's evil. That is incredibly evil. evil. And it, you're taking a symbol of God. You're, you're, you're taking one of the most sacred things in, in Judaism here and, and you're using it to, to do even more unspeakable evil. It defames God's name in the nations. Right. Right. Um, it is. Absolutely abhorrent. And, and they're not even sorry for what they've done. Because later on in this mm. chapter, when Jacob comes and confronts them, we read uh, in verse 31 that they replied, yeah, should he have treated our sister like a prostitute? There's no repentance. They are justifying their evil actions. You got to say, why would they do that? Why? What would drive these guys to act in such an awful way? Well, verse 13 says, because their sister Dinah had been defiled, Jacob's sons replied deceitfully. That word deceitfully, does that ring any bells? Have we heard that before? That's Jacob's theme song. That's his number one hit. <laughs> In fact, it, it's that very word that Jacob's father Isaac used to describe Jacob's theft of Esau's blessing back in chapter 27, hmm. when he dressed up as his brother and lied to his almost blind father. And, and when it was found out, Jacob said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Wow. Exactly the same word. Jacob's life was defined by deceitfulness, and now his sons were acting the same way. Yes, Jacob was forgiven. He was a changed man now. Yes, he'd met God in a powerful way. But his children had grown up watching his pre-conversion choices. And the consequence of Jacob's actions in the earlier part of his life were now becoming obvious in the lives of his children. His past choices were being echoed in his children. Mm. A living demonstration. Well, mo that for more than echoed. Like magnified, repeated, yeah, yeah, it, and just well, ma even bigger, or right, right, amplified. I got, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. He's amplified them, so they've just he hasn't dealt with them in his own life, and now they've grown. Forgiveness doesn't mean fixed. There are lingering effects of sin that God's forgiveness, though real, they do not eradicate. Can you think of other times when people have been forgiven for their actions? But the consequences were not eradicated. Adam and Eve in the garden. They never got back, did they? They didn't get back to Eden. No. Yeah. 
What about Moses? Well, yeah, um, they had to wander in the wilderness until their entire generation died. And then it was their children that got into the promised land. Right. Yeah. And Moses, he hit the rock. And God said, you'll never get in the promised land. You get to see it. Did he? You get to see it. You get to see you it. You don't get to go in. <laughs> yeah. It's like getting to look at a great meal, but not being allowed to pick up a knife and fork. I remember I was having a conversation over a debate about whether someone who had, uh, he had some sort of sexual, I don't remember the context, but he had some sort of sexual offense on his record. And uh, and then the, the church was trying to hire him as a uh, worship pastor slash youth worker and uh and everyone's the conversation was oh forgiveness we're all about forgiveness we're all about forgiveness and i went to moses and i said okay moses struck a rock and god still loved him he cared for him moses we'll see moses in eternity but he couldn't go into the promised land right so and that 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 was a holy spirit moment because i was a lot younger than i am now and and uh and that shut down the conversation everyone's like oh yeah there are consequences for our sins even if there is forgiveness and it just makes sense. I mean, if I was depressed this evening and decided to, uh, in my moment of darkness, go and take a chainsaw and cut off my left leg, if I genuinely repented, would God forgive me for that act? Absolutely. And would I get my leg back? No. There are consequences. Forgiveness does not mean fixed. Next week, in chapter 35, we will see Jacob's strategy for addressing this situation. But for now, be careful how you live, because people are watching, especially your children. Here's my suggestion. I think we'd be wise to ask ourselves before we make any decision, am I sure I want my children to make the same choice I am making today? That's really good. I think that gives us a perspective that can stop us from making all kinds of mistakes. If you do make a mistake, will God forgive you for that? Of course, if you genuinely repent. But forgiveness will not mean that your family will be fixed. Your choices can shape their character. Paul said in Galatians 6, Do not be deceived. A man reaps what he sows. This is true for us and our children. Let's learn from Jacob. Forgiveness doesn't mean fixed. One of the most important lessons we can take away is that just because God forgives us for our sin doesn't mean there are no consequences to our sin. There are consequences. And that's why it's important to live wisely and make choice choices. I trust that today's discussion of God's Word has been helpful and served as an encouragement to not just be hearers of the Word, but doers. Together, let's bring God's Word to life, to our lives this week. The Crosstalk Podcast is a production of Crosstalk Global, equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. To find out more, or to support the work of this ministry, please visit www.crosstalkglobal.org. You can also support this show by sharing it on social media and telling your friends. Tune in next Friday as we continue our discussion through the book of Genesis and discover how we can help our family after we've lived far from God. 
be sure to join us. 